God, we worship you today, and we welcome you, Father, as you have come in, Lord. And we just declare this morning, God, that we offer ourselves to you, Father, wholeheartedly, God, holding nothing back, God. We are here for you, Father, so have your way this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. You may be seated. Normally, I do the opening prayer, but thank you for filling in while I was trying to get up here. Normally, I pray that God will open our eyes, open our spiritual eyes to see him with greater clarity. And I will, op- I will ask the Lord to open our ears that we may hear his small, still voice speaking to our hearts. And that he will open our heart to receive everything that he has for us. And it's so vitally important when we come into the house of God, when we come in for worship, when we come in to hear the word of God, that we come with an expectation to receive. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. But whenever we come into God's presence, whether it be at a life fellowship or whether it be we're driving down I-45 on the way to work and we're worshiping, let's always come into His presence with an expectation of receiving. Because as, as Ariana shared this morning, John 10.10, one of our favorite scriptures that we've talked about so often, is Jesus said, I've come that you may have abundant life. Listen, if we believe that, whenever we come into his presence, we're going to be expecting him to give us life in whatever area that we're needing life in or whatever we need. So whenever we come into his presence, always come with the expectation. I remember going to a Hillsong uh, Praise and Worship Conference a number of years ago when they first started doing those. And I went with a group of people from our church on our praise and worship team. And I was so excited. I was so looking forward to getting into the presence of God. And it was awesome. And I remember traveling back with some of the people on our team. And they're like, yeah, it was all right. It was all right. It was awesome. But here was the difference. I was going expecting to encounter God and receive from Him. And, and I don't know what their motives were. Maybe they were just going there for entertainment or whatever. But I went there to engage with God. And He met me where I was. And that's the great thing about the Lord. Is he meets us where we are. So always come into His presence with expectation. Wow, I didn't know I was going to start preaching so soon. So I guess we can leave now. No. <laughs> Happy New Year. Yeah. It's, are you looking forward to 2015? I am. I think it's going to be a great year. Thank you, Ariana. We're continuing in this series, Ready, Set, Go. And last week, my first point was to be ready is to know what the goal is. You know, it's kind of like the saying, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And so this is a great time to be thinking about what the Lord has in store for us. To be thinking about the goal, to be thinking about what has in store for us. What is the destination for your individual life? These are the kinds of things that we can, I mean, this is a great time, right? The first of the year to be thinking about these things. What is the destination for my individual life? And how does this impact me and my entire family? Where am I going? What is my purpose at Life Fellowship? I know that if if you're here, God has called you here. It's like, okay, well, what is my purpose here? What does God call me to do? And I want to challenge us to prepare for 2015 individually and take some time and say, God, what is it that you want to do in my life and and what is it that you have for me this year? And I also want to be in prayer and be considering corporately what we're to do as a body of Christ. I know that we have some really exciting things coming up and 
uh, Christina and I, every year, we sit down and we write down goals for ourselves personally. And then we talk about goals for the church, the things that we want to see accomplished here, and the, the things that we feel like the Lord is leading us to do. And so I would encourage you to do the same thing. Sit down and write out some goals. Write out some goals for yourselves spiritually and financially and, and all of those kinds of things. I mean, Christine and I, every year we used to put lose weight and get in shape. We don't even put that on there anymore because <laughs> that didn't last very long. So, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But it's important that we have kind of a game plan going forward. And it's been amazing to me to see how, for instance, when we have set financial goals for ourselves, on a yearly basis. Almost every time we meet those or exceed those. And so, you know, it's a good thing to do. To be ready means we need to know where we are going. Ready, set, go. So let's know where we're going. To be set means to be prepared. Okay, my first point this morning is to be set is to have a plan. Seek the Lord. The best laid plans come from seeking God's desire for our lives and his plans for us. Think about the times where you've, you've come up with a really bad plan or you've really implemented something. You thought it was a great idea and it, and it really blew up. I mean, you know, I don't think those come from the Lord. I think those come from us. And I was thinking about those, some of those shows they have on TV. I, I don't think I can say the name of them, but where they do stupid things, you know, and, and you see somebody about to do something, you're like, oh, this is probably not going to end well, and a lot of times it doesn't. So we want to be implementing God's plans and desires for us. Let's go to Psalm 20, verse 4, and it says, May he, may God grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. So when we go to him, it's helpful to allow him to give us his plan for our lives. The wonderful thing about implementing God's plan is he can make it happen. Have you ever tried to set a goal and say, okay, I, I can make this happen, but you really can't? Well, the great thing about God is he can make it happen. And his plan, his desires, as, as we've been talking about in Romans 12 too, his will is good and pleasing and perfect. And so as we begin to come into alignment with God's plan for our lives, it benefits us as well. How many times have you gone around the mountain and around and around and around, and then you finally say, God, maybe you have something different. And he's like, hello, finally. <laughs> now I have your attention. Now let's go up the mountain instead of around the mountain or whatever that looks like. Uh, so let's go to Psalm 138.8. It says, the Lord will work out his plans for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. And I want to read the New American Standard Version, New American Standard Bible Version. We normally read out of the New Living Translation, but I wanted to read the NASB. And it says, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Thy loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of thy hands. And when I, when I look at these scriptures, I love this because the, NL, the NLT says the Lord will work out his plans for my life. And the NASB says the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. God is concerned about us. And he wants us to walk in the fullness of life, the abundance of life that Christ came to give. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Wow. How many of us 
still kind of struggle with this performance thing. Oh, well, you know, I, I did, I'm doing well, so God loves me. Oh, I'm not doing so well, so God doesn't love me so, so much. No, that's not the case. God's love is everlasting. When we're in the valley, when we're on the mountain, when we're struggling, when we're not struggling, when we're walking in, in the power and the anointing and the fire of God, his love is there. When we're feeling like nobody loves us, and our prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing right back. His love is everlasting. It's not dependent upon us or our circumstances. His love is a constant, always there, everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Do not forsake me. I think that David is having a ta moment here, transparent, authentic, and honest. I think he's saying, listen, God, you know, I, I need some help here. You know that I'm still a mess sometimes. Don't forsake me. But I'm trying, and I know that with your help, I know with your, with your love and your guidance and leading, you're going to get me to where I need to go. God, you made me, and I need your help. Do you realize that you need God's help? <laughs> if you don't realize that, let me tell you, you need God's help. I, I can tell you. Just ask your spouse. No, maybe not. Um, but God helps us in our weaknesses. He helps us in our insecurities. He helps us in our woundedness. He helps to remove the pride and the arrogance of our lives. He helps us in our brokenness. The more I talk to people and the longer I live and the more I look in the mirror, the more I realize that we're broken people. We're all messed up in some way. And that is the effects of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they disobeyed God, sin entered into all of humanity. And James 1, chapter 1 says, when sin comes to fruition, it leads to death. And so we're on a path of death with sin. But Christ came to break that chain and begin to restore us back to health and healing and pour into those wounded, broken places of our lives. Come on, am I only preaching to me? I know you have some brokenness probably somewhere in your life. And as we yield our life to God, God begins to wash over us with that everlasting love that's not conditional about me jumping through all these hoops and all these religious things, but it's all about that relationship. And so that's why we talk so much about the relationship with Christ because he's the only one that come that can come and fix our broken lives and pour into us and restore, reveal the deep wounds in our lives. Listen, this is not some kind of self-help program. This is Jesus. I need your help in my life. Why do we think we can trick God? Why don't we just be honest with him? Say, God, listen, I'm really struggling. I need some help in this. And then why not trust his plans for our lives? Listen, his desire is to give us the abundant life, to bless us beyond measure, beyond what we can even comprehend. Why would we not trust him? Why would we not begin to yield our life to him, every area of our life, so that he can pour into us? And let me be clear, this is not a prosperity message. This is about, God, I want all of your blessings. I want to go to the banquet table, and I want everything. I want the steak. I want the salad. I want the dessert. I want it all, God. I want everything that you want to pour into me. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Our first 
uh, the first thing that we need to do is seek the Lord. But when we have important decisions to make, seek counsel from godly people. Whenever there's something really important that I need to do or I need to pray about or consider, I go to my pastor and I talk to him. Pastor Don, this, this is something that's going on. And, and what is your counsel on this? What is your godly advice? We pray about it. Uh, the people that are on, on the board of directors for Life Fellowship Ministries International, Elliot and Kenny, I love those guys because I know they're for me. They love me enough to tell me the truth, even when I don't want to hear it. You have people in your life like that that will be honest enough with you, that love you enough. We need those people in our lives. We need people that will give us godly counsel. And if there's something that I need to talk to somebody about, I can call Elliot or Kenny. And I know that I'm going to get the heart of God. One, I know that they love me. I know that they're for me. And secondly, I know that I've seen a, a consistency in their life with the Lord. I've seen consistency in their life with their spouse and their children. And I know that they love God. I know that they love me. And consequently, that's why they're on the board of directors. If they love me, they're going to love you because I love you. You're important to me. Therefore, you are important to them. If, you know, if something were to happen to me, I hope nothing happens, but I know that those guys would come in and take care of you in the same manner, in the same measure of love that I have for you. So it's important that we have people in our lives. Listen, if, if you've got some challenging things that you're going through, call the office and, and let's set up an appointment. Sit down and talk about it. I'll pray with you about it. I'll give you my counsel, what my perspective on it. And then you, you know other people that pray and seek God and are godly men and women? Talk to them about it because sometimes there are things that, that can trap us. From seeing the truth. We may be so intent. I don't care. I don't care if everything, if every door is closing around me, I'm going to kick this door down. I'm going through it. And it may be the Lord saying, wait a minute, this is a red light here. Stop. It may be that it's just the wrong time right now. It's not that God is saying no. It may be, listen, it's not the right time. You're not ready to walk through that door. Or the certain, you know, I'm, I'm lining something else up. God will set you up for success and to walk in the victory and the power and the anointing and the plans that he has for your life if you will yield to him. But if you're like me, you, you determine that you're going forward and, man, you'll take a sledgehammer and you'll knock that, that wall down. But sometimes we need to stop and say, wait a minute. If I'm running into all these walls, God, maybe you're trying to get me to slow down a little bit. Have you ever tried to make it through a light and somebody's just driving slow and you're like hurry up come on we can make the light and then you don't make the light and then have you ever gotten down the road a little ways and there's a bad car accident maybe that was God slowing you down I'm just saying we need to get advice from others and we need to seek the Lord and and, and uh, get godly counsel from others so our, my first point this morning is to be set, remember the, the series now is ready, set, go. Okay, so we're in the middle of it here. Ready is to, uh, to have a plan, to seek God, and, and to know where we're going. Uh, set is to have a plan. Think about this. Have you ever determined that you're going on a trip, and maybe you're going to Disneyland, or you're going to Dallas, or wh wherever, and so you have a destination. You know where you're going, but 
it's better when you have a plan. And for those of you that have traveled with us to Dallas when we, when we go to a conference or something, you know that there's a couple of Buckies, and those are always on the list, okay? We always have to stop at the Buckies. So we have a plan, okay? It may not be the healthiest plan, but, uh, but it's a plan nonetheless. So it, to be set is to have a plan. Seek godly counsel from those who love you and will be honest with you. Come on. You ever go to your spouse or somebody and you're like, I'm going to ask their opinion, but I don't, I'm not going to get the answer that I want because I, I already know. Most of the times we already know that, we're, that we shouldn't be going down that path or whatever. And then they confirm it and we're like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. So we have to look out for the trappings, the tunnel vision where we're just determined to, to get there. We have to, another trapping is being stubborn. You know what? I'm just going to do it. I don't care what anybody else says. And there are consequences for disobedience. And so we need to, that's why we really need to come back to the Lord and say, God, what do you have for me? I want to go to Jeremiah chapter 29. And uh, at this point, I'd like to just put another plug in for our Bible reading schedule. Uh, At the end of this year, I think in November, we'll be reading the book of Jeremiah. So we'll be talking about these very scriptures. I encourage you to just jump in, okay? We're going to be, we're starting in Psalm the book of Psalms right now, but just jump in. The word says it will not return void without accomplishing what it was sent to do. So every time we read the word, God is doing something. There's some uh, printouts up here. Uh, Just take one, take a couple. If we run out, we'll print some more next week. But in Jeremiah, uh, the nation of Israel has been torn apart. Now, this is one of the reasons that that we're going back and reading the Old Testament because as Pastor Christine has talked about a Bible study, the Old Testament is really a template for the New Testament. You get to read about the, the history of Israel and how all of these things be, began to come into play. And it helps as we read the New Testament to understand the background of the things that the uh, nation of Israel went through, that, you know, just so many things that are involved there. And so as we understand some of the things that were going on in the Old Testament, it brings greater clarity when we're reading the New Testament. So we need to read it all. It's all good. But the nation of Israel had been torn apart. When, when Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, they were a united nation. They had 12 tribes, and they, they all had their little section, but they were a united nation. As, as they began to wander away from the Lord and, and things began to happen, the nation of Israel began it was divided. The northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was Judah. And so as, as they continued to disobey, because time after time after time after time, you see that Moses was warning the people, listen, when you get to the promised land, don't compromise. Don't marry, intermarry with these other tribes because they worship these other gods, and eventually they will uh, influence you to be worshiping these other gods. And so time after time after time, we see where the children of Israel, they, they went through these cycles where they would be uh, uh, in bondage because they, they fell away from the Lord, and they, and they would be taken into bondage, and then they would cry out to the Lord, and the Lord would save them, and, and they would be restored, and he would uh, release them from captivity. And so over and over and over again, we see those cycles. Huh. Sounds kind of like us sometimes, doesn't it? But anyway, Judah is the southern kingdom, and Israel has already been, they're already having their own problems. And so Jeremiah is in 29, verse 10 through 14. Jeremiah says, 
This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I promised, and I will bring you home again. So the Lord is telling Jeremiah, he's, he's like, listen, this is going to happen, but it's okay. I mean, it, I, I, I'm going to bring you back, and, and I'm going to restore. But I will come again and do for you all the good things I promised, and I will bring you home again. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. So he's telling Jeremiah, listen, these people are not listening to you, but it doesn't change my plan for you. My plan for you is good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And God's plan for you, God's plan for me, God's plan for all of us is good and not for disaster to give us a future and a hope. Let me read on in verse 12. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Verse 13. If, what does if mean? It's conditional, right? If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And that's, that's another biblical principle. When we search for God, we will find him. When we really look for God, we will find him. Being so blessed as a nation, some people don't think that they need God. I mean, we are so blessed in this nation. I know Christine has been to Africa a couple of times, and uh, we're, uh, Pastor Don has, has asked us to maybe go with him to the Philippines this year, and I'm looking forward to that. I've never been to another country like that. I mean, I've been to Mexico and stuff like that. But we are so blessed here. There are, a lot of people don't think that they need the Lord because we have so many things. And, and having an intimate relationship with the Lord is vital for our well-being. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much stuff you have. It doesn't take the place of that intimate relationship with the Lord. Let's look at Jeremiah 29, 13. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Verse 14. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. And so God is saying, listen, you're going to go through some stuff, but I'm going to restore everything back to you. Only he can do that. So to be set is to have a plan. And God's plan is best. 2015, let's determine that we're going to follow God's plan. We're going to determine to seek him. So my first point is to be set is to have a plan. My second point is to be set is to prepare. Okay, if we have a plan, then we need to prepare. If we're believing that God is calling us to do something, we need to prepare. When God called us to Pioneer Life Fellowship, we began to prepare because we knew he was calling us. And so we begin to step out in faith. And as God is calling you to, to maybe into, to serve more in ministry or whatever, you need to begin to prepare. Prepare yourself, your heart. Say, God, help me to be prepared. We, when God called us to start Life Fellowship, we didn't just sit out on the beach and say, okay, God, well. No, we begin to prepare because we knew that he was calling us to do this. We should prepare to implement our plan. How well do you think an out-of-shape, obese person would do in a sprint or a marathon? Imagine that, that somebody's really overweight, 350 pounds, 400 pounds. How well do you think that they would do in a marathon or a sprint? They probably wouldn't do very well. How well does an untrained athlete perform? 
Probably not very well. I was uh, uh, watching TV the other day, and, and they had J.J. Watt. They were interviewing him, and, and uh, you know, he plays for the Texans, and he's an awesome uh, defensive player. And uh, he said, well, I'll probably take a couple of weeks off. And I'm going to hit it again. I'm thinking, man, he, this guy has like five or six months where he could be laying out on the beach. But I don't think you're going to find J.J. Watt sitting on the sofa drinking beer and eating, eating Fritos. I mean, this guy is serious about what he's doing. And when you look at the impact that he has on the field, that guy's prepared. He's serious. He knows what his purpose is. He knows what his calling is. And that guy's prepared. He's not sloughing. He is working hard to do what he needs to do. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. It says, don't you realize, and Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Hey, listen, if we're going to run this race, why not run to win? Why just live a mediocre life, just going through life? Why not run to win? Verse 25 says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And so the things that we're doing have eternal value. My IRA not be, may not be very big, but my ERA is much bigger, my eternal retirement account. Because the things that we're investing in, the things that we're doing are, have an eternal value. And there's no greater joy that I get than seeing lives changed and seeing marriages healed and restored and and people's lives, their brokenness being healed. Gosh, what a great opportunity we have. What a great opportunity you have to do the same thing, to know that the legacy that you're leaving behind are children that are godly, that have a relationship with the Lord, not just know about religion and know about the Bible, but have that intimate relationship with the Lord. And the fact that, that God has used you to impact lives, hundreds, maybe thousands of lives, that when we get to heaven, we will look back and we will see all the things that God has done through our life. It's him doing it through our life, but it's us yielding and saying, God, I'm allowing you to use me. I want to run the race, and I'm doing this for an eternal prize. He goes on to say in verse 26, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm running with purpose. The things that I'm doing are deliberate. They're strategic. They're purposeful. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm hitting something. When the enemy comes against me, I'm hitting him. I'm hitting him in the face. I'm saying, no, you don't belong here. You don't have any rights to my life. You don't have any rights to my children. You don't have any rights to my health. I'm hitting him. I'm not just punching a bag or hitting the air. What are we doing, guys? Listen, the Lord has given us authority, dominion, and power. Are we walking in those things? Paul's saying, I'm not just playing around with it. Come on, man. God has given you a purpose and a plan to receive all that he has for you, for one, and secondly, to impact a lost and dying world. There is no one in the entire world that has the influence with the people that you do. You have relationships with people that nobody else in the entire world has that kind of relationship with. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. He's saying, I have a plan. I know my purpose. Now I prepare. Now I pray. 
Let's say, God, what do you want me to do to help draw this, this person to the Lord that I work with? I'm praying for them. God, I pray that you would touch their heart. And then, Lord, when the opportunity comes, when they're broken or when, they're, when the time is right or the Holy Spirit leads me, I can begin to pray with them. Maybe even lead them in a prayer of salvation because I'm prepared and I'm ready. I'm seeking you. And I know what you want to do in their life. I know that you want to draw them into a relationship with you. And I'm ready. I'm like J.J. Watt, man. I want to hit somebody. Come on. Let's get on the field. Where's that football? I'm going after it. God, I want to go after the things that you want me to go after. I'm not shadow boxing. I'm playing. I'm in the game. I'm not on the bench. Verse 27. I, dis- I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I feared that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul's saying, listen, I need to live it. I need to live what I say I believe. I need to live what I preach. I need to place myself under the spigot of God where the power and the anointing and the, and the fire of God is pouring on me. I need to stay away from those websites. I need to stay out of that bar. I need to quit flirting with that woman, whatever those things are. I need to position myself. I need to train myself. I need to discipline myself to walk in the things of God. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified because I'm compromising, because integrity is not really there. I'm flirting with God. I'm flirting with this. I'm flirting with that. Come on. He's saying, I'm serious. Every step that I take is purposeful to drive me into a more intimate relationship with you, God, so that I can fulfill this great calling that you've called me to. He's saying, I prepare myself to live it. I'm not just going to talk it. I'm going to walk it. I'm going to live it. Paul knew that his strength and anointing came from the Lord. He knew that without the Lord, in his own strength, he would fail to live up to the life he had preached about. And God had given Paul a great mantle to reach the Gentiles, the non-Jews. I'm glad that Paul was faithful in that. Romans 12, 1 and 2 Another scripture that you guys have heard dozens of times. And Paul, again, writing to the church, uh, writing to the Romans, the Christians in Rome. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Look at what God has done for you. Look at all the things that God has done for you. Look at the times he's plucked you out of a jam. Look at all all the sin that has been forgiven because of the blood of Christ. Look at all the things that God has done for you. God has saved us. God can heal and restore us. God can fix us. Are you allowing him to come into your life and do those things? Romans 12.1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. The next half of that says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Man, if we're serious about the Lord, we're going to stop compromising. I'm not talking about performing so that we're saved. We're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works. So we cannot perform enough to earn our salvation. But listen, guys, when we get saved, there should be a change in our heart. There should be a change in our life. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
Sacrifice your selfish, carnal desires for a life of holiness. I'm making a determination today, God, that I'm determining to take every step toward you. And when there's a barrier put in front of me or, or some kind of distraction, I'm, I'm staying focused on you because I'm moving toward you. I'm moving toward you. This is truly the way to worship him. Commit to him. This is the way that we really worship. Living a life that glorifies God, not our carnal fleshly desires. Come on, everybody in this room struggles with carnal fleshly desires. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever lusted? Have you ever taken anything that wasn't yours? Come on. Those are the things that, that we, we all struggle with, and they look different for, for each of us. But worship is not a song service. Worship is a lifestyle of committing our life to God and saying, let my life be worship to you, God. Let me put aside those things that would hinder me, that would slow me down from running the race, and let me walk in the fullness of life that you called me to. I want to live a life that glorifies you. This is my reasonable service to you. This is my worship to you. It's more than a song service. It's an engagement with him. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I choose to come into alignment with your word, God. I choose to believe what you say. I choose your desires over my desires. I choose to believe your word about who I am. It doesn't matter what they said. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter my own self-talk. Have you ever got caught up in that? You're an idiot. You're stupid. Why'd you do that? You know what? Shut up. I don't want to hear that anymore. What I want to hear is God's word says that I'm his prized possession and that he loves me and he forgives me. And when Satan begins to remind you of your past, you tell him about his future. You're going down, man. Don't mess with me. You, you've, got, you've got some bad plans headed for you. So get off my back. Listen, God has said that he loves me and he forgives me. That's what I choose to believe. That's what I choose to receive. Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So that's why we teach the word, so that we come into alignment with God's word for us, and we understand who we are in Christ. We understand, one, that Christ is supreme. He is overall, and that who we are in Christ, that he really loves us, that he really desires to have a relationship with us. It goes on to say in Romans 12, 2, then, well, let me read the first part. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is what? Good and pleasing and perfect. So as we allow God into our life, greater access, then he begins to reveal stuff to us. And it's good and pleasing and perfect. So my first point is to be set is to have a plan. My second point is to be set is to prepare. My third point is to be set is to have an expectation. And I talked about that at the beginning of the service. Do you have an expectation when you come in here on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday night for Bible study? This coming Tuesday will be the women's group. Are you coming with an expectation? The following Tuesday, the second Tuesday of the month is the men's group. If you're a man and you're a part of Life Fellowship, you need to be here on Tuesday. Come on. And come with expectation. Anytime we come into this place, anytime we come into the Lord's presence, come with expectation. Having an expectation is important. 
Proverbs 13, 12 in the New American Standard Bible says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Have you ever hoped for something and then you lost hope? And you just feel so dejected, you feel so depressed, you feel so terrible. But when something is fulfilled, ah, it changes your whole perspective. Let's look at the definition of hope. Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for certain things to happen or for a certain thing to happen. That's what hope is. And so expectation and hope are very, very similar. Losing, losing hope can really mess up our attitude. I hope I get that job. I hope I get picked for the team. We may have an expectation. Listen, do you remember when you were young and you were standing around and they were picking teams? You had an expectation that you'd be one of the first ones picked on the team, right? You weren't thinking, oh, well. Or maybe you were. Maybe you were thinking, oh, nobody's going to pick me because nobody loves me. And how did that make you feel? Well, what if you got picked first? Wow. You know, come on. You know how you felt when you were the first one picked. Okay, you picked the, the team captains, and, and one, one person gets to pick the first person, and you're the first one picked. You know you felt good about it. God has picked you. He said, you're my prized possession. We may have an expectation. We should have expectations. But if you have no hope, you really have no expectation. That's what that means. <laughs> I remember I, in high school, I played in a band, and there was a, a guitar player, and he had a little band, and uh, the, the name of his band was No Hope. <laughs> And I remember some of my friends say, yeah, they, they don't have any hope. But, you know, they, there was just this kind of cloud around them whenever they would play, no hope. How sad that is. And just the way they would carry themselves. Listen, there's hope for you in Christ. There's hope for the people that don't think they have any hope. There's hope for them. Have great expectations in the Lord. And have a trust in the Lord. If I don't get that job, you know what? I'm good with that. Because I know that God has something better. You need to trust him. And I've shared with you how God has opened up doors for me. How he's created jobs for me. When I didn't get that one job at that very hour, the side director was creating a job just for me. You know what? So even when we don't get the answer that we want, want we can still remain hopeful. God, thank you. Thank you I didn't get that job. Because you've got something better. I've seen him do it every Sunday. When we come here, we should be expecting to receive from the Lord. Worship directs our focus onto him. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I want you to... Let's stand up. Everybody stand up. I want you to tell somebody, the Lord's plans for you are good. Tell them the Lord has a future and a hope for you. All right, you may be, yeah, thank you. You may be seated. Are you getting that? The plans that God has for you are good and not for disaster. So when you begin to hear that voice or when you begin to talk to yourself, like, well, I'm a failure. No, wait a minute. Wait, wait. What does God's word say? It says his plans are good and not for disaster to give you, to give me, to give us a future and a hope. 
And God is saying to Jeremiah, listen, don't be discouraged by what you see. I have good plans for you. I will restore you. I will restore Judah. There's hope. Think about this phrase. On your marks, get ready, get set. Think about runners at the Olympics or whatever. They get down and they're in their blocks. On your marks, get ready, get set. What do you think is going through their mind? Oh, I'm probably going to fall down as soon as I get out of the blocks. Or I, I, I'm, I'm going to be the last one to cross the line. They're going to blow me out. I'm going to trip over the hurdle, the first hurdle. You think they're thinking that? No, they're thinking, man, I can see myself. And there's a tape, and they see themselves busting through the tape. That's what they see. There's an expectation and a hope there. And that's what God has for you. Come on. He doesn't see you falling down right out of the blocks. He sees you running the race. And they're angels, and they're, go, yes, yes, you're going to win. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep running. And there are people that will get discouraged, and the tape is right there, and they're winning, and they, they just stop, and they throw their shoes off, and they quit, and everybody runs by them. And God is saying, why did you quit? Come on. My plans for you are good. They're great. They're not for disaster, but for you to win the race. Paul says, listen, if we're going to run the race, let's run this thing. Come on. Let's run to win. I think about the Texans last year. They lost hope. I mean, you could see it. It's like they they didn't even want to be on the field. I was embarrassed for them. They looked terrible. (laughs) What's been the change this year? They have hope. They have hope. And you look at somebody like J.J. Watt, even last year, he, he was like, you know what? We're moving forward. Maybe God has placed somebody in your life that you can be a J.J. Watt to. Come on, man. Pick, pick yourself up. Come on. We're moving forward. Don't get discouraged. Let's keep pressing on. When you lose hope, you lose the game. Don't lose hope. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Get rid of the stinking thinking. Come on. Come into alignment with God's word. Then it says you will learn to know. You will learn. You will learn. You will understand. You will begin to comprehend. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. To be said is to have a plan. To be said is to prepare. To be said is to have an expectation. Our mission statement here at Life Fellowship is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Everything that we do is to drive us to that place with our children, with all of us. That's God's greatest desire. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. To be ready for God's call on your life, you must first start by inviting him into your life. Are you here this morning and and God is speaking to you? Maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe you never had a relationship with the Lord. Listen, there's no shame in that. The shame would be for you to walk out of this building today and not receive everything. That's where it starts. Get ready, get set, go. But listen, it requires us to connect with him. Anybody here this morning, would you be honest enough? Would you, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. Anybody here this morning? God loves you. God has a great plan for you. God has a new start for you, maybe. There's no shame in that. 
You know, Michelin has responded, and she could have said, you know what, I've been coming to church here for a long time, and what are they going to think if I raise my hand? What if I go up there and rededicate my life? Who cares? Who cares? We should not be concerned about what everybody else thinks. We should be concerned about what he thinks. Thank you, Micheline, for your honesty. Thank you for stepping out and being bold. Anybody else? Anybody else? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Micheline. Hey, Jason. Anybody else? Anybody else? Listen, we're family here. It's okay. It's okay to share our hurts, our, our wounds, our weaknesses. And if God is speaking to your heart, listen, don't, don't resist that. There's no reason to do that. Don't let pride or arrogance or any of that stop you from the abundant life that Christ has, has called you to. to pray this prayer. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, say it out loud. Come on. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I yield my life to you. I thank you for your forgiveness for all my sins. And I receive all that you have for me today. And I thank you for this new day and this gift of complete forgiveness for all my sins this is a new day and I thank you for a fresh start in Jesus name I want to pray with you guys I want to pray with you dear heavenly father I lift up Barbara to you I pray the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit would wash over her in a way like she has never, ever experienced you, Lord God, that you would so fill her to overflowing with your love and your presence that there would be a physical change in her, Lord God. She would bring complete, total healing to her body, to her mind and soul. Father, wash over her, fill her to overflowing. And Lord, I lift up Micheline. I pray the same for her. I pray that you fill her with a fire and the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that she would hear your small, still voice. But those times when she knows she shouldn't do something, it will be like a gong ringing in her ears that you will so speak to her and that she will begin to yield. Father, that you will touch her heart, that she will yield every area of her life to you, God. She will no longer resist you, but she will walk in the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that you would speak to her in a fresh new way. Lord God, I thank you for Jason. I pray the fire of your Holy Spirit to fill him to overflowing. God, that you would begin to reveal truths and things to him. That you would open his eyes, open his heart to receive everything. And Father, that he would hear your voice in a fresh new way. And that he would begin to trust you with every area of his life, Lord God. And that he would see you do amazing things. And he would begin to move closer into you. That you would fill him 
the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, I lift up the, all of these three. I lift up all of us, Lord God, and I pray for a greater, greater measure of your love, a greater measure of your presence, a greater measure of your Holy Spirit to fill us to overflowing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Love y'all. Ah, wow. If we would all be that bold and honest with God, listen, he can, he can handle it. He can take it. I promise you. Let's just be real with him. As we go out this week, I want us to, to really be seeking the Lord about his plan for us for 2015. And, uh, I want us to be serious about our relationship with Him. I want us to yield our life to Him, every area of our life. I want you to, to get a Bible reading program. I want you to read. I want you to pray. I want you to come on Sunday mornings. I want you to come on Wednesday nights. I want you to come to the monthly men's and women's meeting. Guys, this is training for us. This is training for us. We have one shot at this thing, guys, on this earth. Let's run the race, okay? If you've been playing with God, if you've been playing with this whole thing, you can stop today. And let's determine that we're really going to make every step deliberate and strategic and toward Him. Because your life is dependent on it. Your children are dependent on it. There's a whole community around us that are dependent on us having our life together so that we can help them so that we can lead them to Christ, so that we can be there to pray with them, so that we have the Word of God in us that we can share with them when the right time comes. Listen, guys, we're providing a banqueting table. You cannot get nourished if you don't come to the table and eat. God has great plans for this church. He has huge plans. It's going to take a lot more than what's here today to accomplish those things. And then one day we will stand in heaven and we will see what God has done through those that are teachable, those that are humble, those that are obedient. There is no telling. The Lord's plans are greater than we can even begin to envision. But he's looking for a people that will yield, that will be transparent, authentic, and honest and say, send me, God. You know, I'm probably not the best candidate. I've had some failures in my life. I've messed up. But listen, I put those things behind me and I press on toward the mark or the goal or the prize. I press on to those things. I'm leaving that stuff behind me because Christ took it all on at the cross. I'm walking away from that and I'm walking in the abundant life that Christ has, has come to give me. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind that I'm coming into alignment with your word, God, and what you say and what you've called me to. This morning, you can make that determination. It can be a new day. It can be a new year. It can be a new decade. It can be a new century. It can be a new millennium because of what God is doing through our lives. Through one man, through Christ coming. Look at what happened. Look at the impact Paul had on thousands of people there. He's still impacting our lives 2,000 years later. God wants to impact the world around you.
So go out and live it. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here. We'll see you Wednesday night. Women, Tuesday night is the women's group. Wednesday night's Bible study at 7. I love you so much. Go out and, and make a difference in your world. Thank you for being here this morning.